around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Franica. I'm Ben Harrison. You may be hearing a lot of dogs barking mm. behind me. Not my dog, though. This is one of the few instances of not my dog. You broke into a, a facility and you're using their computers to record the podcast and you're keeping their vicious guard dogs at bay with stakes. One of the things that I learned in puppy training class from the instructor is like, look, anytime you go anywhere with your puppy, you want a pocket full of treats. Yeah. But those treats aren't just for your dog. If a stranger dog comes up, an attack dog comes up even, you want to throw those treats away from you. Create a distraction. Whoa. With treats. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Remember that part of Master and Commander where the, <laughs> the Royal Marines have to go up on the, on the mast and work the swivel gun on the French yeah. ship? They sing that song and it's not cheesy. Clear off the deck. Mm-hmm. You got to get a swivel gun of treats at your house. The thing about treats in the pocket is, Ben, I don't know how closely this episode is going to uh, line up with an episode of The Greatest Generation we just recorded, but you just told me a tale of woe (laughs) about your short situation. Oh, yeah. I have my own tale of woe about my shorts. My shorts are being ruined by dog treats. You stick dog treats in your pocket for any longer than like an hour and it, and there's like a huge grease stain that forms. You got to do Ziploc baggie inside the pants. But I know I, I know that's what I have to do, but it is so hard to get into your pocket and then inside another pocket yeah. to get at those treats. Because you don't want to pull the baggie out and then faff around with the baggie. You know what I want? You, you remember the female condom? <laughs> <laughs> I want something that I can put inside my pocket right. that like has a rim to it yeah, so that I can more easily get into my pocket right. and get at those treats. You want to protect the entire pocket and the area around it. Right. right. Yeah. So that there's no transmission of dog treat grease <laughs> to any of the areas. <laughs> you want to keep it safe. Yeah. Keep all that stuff away. Yeah. That's an invention that hasn't been made yet, though. I'm just dealing with dirty pockets, and now I'm doing that thing where I'm soaking my clothes all the time. Many people would say that Uxbridge Shimoda is a marginal, at best, media production company. Sure. I would say it could do anything. (laughs) We could make a car wind visor that has a licensed image of Data and Geordi sitting in a shuttlecraft. You know what? This is a great point. We could buy Broad (laughs) and make Broad... A, a tendril of our company. I don't think we can afford Broad, but we could buy a company that makes rubber underpants and modify some of their designs to fit inside a pocket. Right. Yeah. We need to join up with big underpants. <laughs> we need to seat at the underpants table is what we need. We need a joint venture. Yeah. <laughs> That's You know what? That's a great point. We need, as we look toward the future- of Uxbridge Shimoda. Right. We need to be thinking about 
these new frontiers. Right. What lines of business can we be opening up? What strange new business worlds can we explore? Yeah. Yeah. It's time to be a disruptor, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to disrupt. I, I want to disrupt this episode, though, Adam. I mean, I don't want to use a phaser. I want to I want to use some heavy-duty Klingon shit on this one. <laughs> I do, too, Ben. What a weird, fun episode of Strange New Worlds we've got on deck today. I am excited to talk about it with you. Let's go ahead and get it started with Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 5, Spockamock. Adam... I said this on the last episode. Don't care for the last time on with this series. Yeah, I skipped through it, as I promised you. I yeah. didn't watch it. Did I miss anything? I watched it. This is maybe the most annoying one that they've done so far. Like, one of the things was just reestablishing that Enterprise Bingo exists. Mm. It, it literally just showed the part of that one scene with the midriff and the Enterprise Bingo reference, and that was all there was to it. Are we at a point now in society <laughs> where we can't trust people with context clues? Trust us with the clues. I think we can get ourselves up to speed with the context clues. I don't need to be reminded of the existence of Enterprise Bingo. I'd much rather rewatch an earlier episode and be like, oh, man, they planted Enterprise Bingo. I didn't even realize. This show is preventing you from achieving the satisfaction of that moment. I almost feel like the last time on is there in Strange New Worlds to be like, hey, listen, I know that we've made some uneven, bumpy <laughs> rides of shows here in the new Star Trek universe. Uh huh. Now we're making almost a perfect show, but it can't be perfect. We can't make it great. Right off the bat. This is the beauty mark of Strange New Worlds, isn't it? <laughs> this is the, the salt that's bringing out the sweet, baby. <laughs> you know what? I've come around to it now. I love this. Strange New Worlds is a perfect face, but that beauty mark mm. really makes you recognize how beautiful it is. Not so symmetrical after all. <laughs> ben, it's the lava shrine level of Mortal Kombat that we open on, right? <laughs> Everyone loves that level of Mortal Kombat. It would be logical for the Vulcans to do some bridge maintenance, but they just can't get it past Congress. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure can't. Spock is walking up to a, uh, a huge shrine. When Spike Jones asks a Vulcan, what kind of shrine y'all got? This is the answer. It's an arena, though, isn't it? A wedding arena? <laughs> Did yeah. you not feel like when you were getting married that you were entering an arena of marriage? I mean, I feel like if there had been a like fight club style circle around the space in which my wife and I were becoming an item, I would have been more intimidated, which would have been hard. I was scared on my wedding day. It's a big deal. I was so filled with envy watching this scene, but not for the reason you may think. <laughs> My wedding did not have gongs or bells. Yeah. And I'm really missing the gongs and the bells yeah. in, in my memory. Would it be Vulcan appropriation to incorporate gongs and bells into weddings from now on? My wedding was punctuated by one of my very best friends playing Not A Surf's Always Love. 
at my wedding. And it was one of my favorite moments of my entire life. You've mentioned uh, that band before. I don't think I've ever heard a single song by them. You've, you've probably heard Popular. That's that's like the song most people have heard. But they're a great band and I love them a lot. You didn't have gongs or bells at your wedding. Ben, you invited me to your wedding. I did, yeah. And that was one way we are different. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were already married when we met. So yeah, exactly. I want to make that clear. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't an affront. Yeah. It wasn't a message I was sending. No, I, I, I felt the same way. Like if my mother-in-law could have had a hexagonal screen with a bunch of bells hanging from the rungs that she could have shaken whenever something momentous happened at our wedding. She would have loved that. It is logical to shake the bells, right? Instead of hitting them with a mallet. They're too many and they're too little. It's so interesting how Vulcans are like extremely logic-based, but they're also so ceremonial. Yeah. There's so many rituals and ceremonies and like, when you go to a religious function and they have to like get through all the fucking stuff. (laughs) Okay, everybody's gotta stand up now. Okay, now everybody has to kneel. Now everybody has to sit, and we're back to kneeling. For the viewers at home, Ben is describing his own wedding. (laughs) (laughs) We had a very short ceremony. The only thing I remember about your wedding is you breaking the ceremonial wine bottle. Mm -hmm. It was so amazing. (laughs) I didn't break that. That was not me. (laughs) It was a wobbly table it was on. Everyone knows it. It was a wobbly table. There was a fancy bottle of wine that got broken, and we we had to bring in... One of the regular garbage bottles of wine that we had brought in to serve our guests. That was my gift wine bin. <laughs> you got it off the you got it off the gift table. God Fortunately for me, I didn't have to enter ritual combat with the non-Vulcan side of my personality. At any point you could have called for Califi. <laughs> Neither of you did at your wedding, and I didn't either. I was so glad that my wife did I I fucking knew she was gonna call for Califi. <laughs> God. I mean, here's the thing. Spock approaches to Pring, ready to be betrothed. Yeah. And she rejects him for being human. And it is shocking because Spock touches his ears and they're round. (laughs) 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 He touches his bangs and they're not straight. (laughs) 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 And... (laughs) <laughs> and Dupring is like, I want you to califee that guy over there and whip pan over and it's Vulcan Spock. Yeah. And Vulcan Spock, surprisingly, is pissed. Yeah. The uh, use of TOS music cue, very, very fun. I didn't get that reference at all. This was directly inspired by the scene in The Cable Guy <laughs> where Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick have that fight at medieval times. Mm, yeah. It canonizes that movie in Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, that's why we're excited to announce right here on the show today, the next tour that The Greatest Generation does will be a review of the movie Cable Guy. Do you think we could get our next tour rooted only in medieval times <laughs> arenas? Like, could we book them and just do a show in the dirt? In the middle? Is Medieval Times bookable? Is that a bookable-ass venue? 
I want to find out because if it is, I want to do our show in the dirt and I want our friends at DeSoto eating Cornish game hens with their hands and drinking <laughs> flagons of mead. Yeah, I want I want to see our fans served by the wenches that they deserve to be served by. Welcome to Medieval Times. I'll be your serving wench, Melinda. Might I fetch you something from the barkeep? Yeah, I agree. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Yeah, this is a pretty awesome combat scene because it's Ethan Peck versus Ethan Peck. Right. But fighting myself is... So logical. They do a great job. Like, it's so much more seamless than I've, I feel like I've ever seen this. Yeah. It's more seamless than I've seen this. I love the music. Like, this is familiar to any Star Trek fan, this musical score. Yeah. But the modern twist of it... Yeah. I think feels great. It really works. The whole thing hangs together beautifully in spite of it being extremely traumatizing to Spock. If you hadn't caught on that this was a dream yet, human Spock getting his ticket punched by Vulcan Spock cuts right into Spock waking up in a cold sweat in his quarters on the ship. He's had a logical dream, hasn't he? Yeah, you don't think of Spock being... A dreamer, yeah, per se, and and you definitely don't think of him as a person who like has a dream about a thing and then goes and like touches his ears to make sure they're still pointy the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got to be sure. But this is the moment in the horror film where you peer into the mirror a little further, mm. and then the pointy ears stab through the round ears, <laughs> and then you wake up again. Right. Right. Yeah. This is not a fake wake up. This is not Star Trek colon first contact. This is an episode of Strange New World. It's not a fake and wake. And uh, the Enterprise has limped back to Starbase. It's getting put back together after their run in with the Gorns. One of the great effect shots in that last episode was the limping ship heading back, like with just shit flying off of it. And now it is back at Starbase One, having the ship put back together. Yeah, they they went and collected all that shit that flew off of it, and they're stapling yeah. it back on. And... You know, it's a canoe class starship doing the gathering, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Captain Esteban is definitely out there <laughs> getting all that shit. Yeah, <laughs> gathering it by the book for sure. We don't know what we're talking about here. Spock is uh, getting his quarters all squared away for his fiance to pring to show up and. She arrives and begins to express her excitement for seeing him in a super ritualistic way that I've only ever seen my wife perform outside of this show. (laughs) I love learning more about this relationship and Vulcan relationships in general because the Vulcans are absolute edgelords. (laughs) This scene is a total throb and there is... No chance they don't just have sting sex the whole time they're together, right? Sex. I mean, it's fantastic. It's great fun. And it has this cosmic significance. I mean, it's, it, we shouldn't take it for granted. Like, they're having sex right now in this scene. We just don't know it. This scene is sex. This, it, this yeah. episode should have gotten a mature audience's rating. Yeah. Spock, is this your idea of sex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... Like the barbs that she's throwing come early and often. She is criticizing the way his quarters are set up. It is hard to imagine that a Vulcan has slept in here. These are my quarters. She is just like 
stomping his nuts over his quarters in a way that... <laughs> I mean, when you get into a serious committed relationship, you end up sacrificing the ability to decorate using your all, all of your own decisions, right? Right, yeah. The, all of these things have to be done by committee. Right. And that ties into the other story, right? When Pike is talking about the democracy of, of the Federation. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. The the ambassador is like, how do you select patio furniture in your culture? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we look at 500 different websites that sell patio furniture <laughs> and we fill up carts and we don't check out. We do not check out under any circumstances. We just live weeks and weeks with reminder emails from these businesses saying, hey, did you forget something, buddy? (laughs) Would another 5% off help you? (laughs) T'Pring is fucking smart because she knows the joy of booking a work trip that is actually a vacation in disguise. She's there to do this rehab work on Barjan. Yeah. But... That's kind of the tack on. What she's there to do is actually hang out with Spock. We must prioritize our relationship. Of course. And that's a super logical thing to do when you're uh, planning a work trip. She sent her assistant to deal with the barjom wormhole, and she's going <laughs> to deal with a different hole. Where were you? <laughs> this is great. They make dinner plans for that evening. Except he leaves her in his quarters. Yeah. I think this is a really bad idea by Spock. I don't think you can do that. He's made some commitments to the captain that he wants to help with some diplomatic crap that Pike has to deal with. And so he's like, all right, T'Pring, I'll be back in time for our dinner reservation. Just got to do this one quick work thing. It's no big deal. It is Chekhov's dinner reservation, isn't it? It really is. And... uh, Pretty soon we're in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. With Admiral New Bob and Captain Pike and Ahura and Spock. And Captain Pike, I was I, I was wondering that if we were going to see the green shirt that Kirk sometimes yeah. wears on Pike. Yeah. It happened, baby. Congratulations, it's green. I love it so much. Right on down to the lower symbol, yeah. the, the sideways pointing arrow that says, hey, this is where my bush starts. Yeah, did Kirk have the the badge on his on his breast though? When oh, good call. I, I feel like he only had the badge down low on, on the this. low badge. Where does this rank on the Cal Hudson scale? Oh, does it does the Cal Hudson rule apply here with the lower badge? Does the lower badge work? Like if the upper badge <laughs> like gets knocked off, like going through a subway turnstile, can you still hail someone? A lot of friends of Desoto have accused. Strange New Worlds, of communicating directly with us. Mm. And I don't think there's any greater example of this. Right. Like, by Cal Hudsoning the the badge to belly button, Right. no one has ever had more confidence in the history of Star Trek than, than Pike. based on this position. He's got show hair and Cal Hudson confidence. God. This uniform shouldn't work. The shade of it, I mean. It's beautiful. It must be green, okay? Okay. Admiral Newbob is giving them the rundown on the Rongovian Protectorate. These are some dudes that they want to diplome at. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that great joke while you were drinking a glass of water because, you know, I didn't mean to make all that water come out of your nose, Adam. That's not water, Ben. <laughs> 
<laughs> they basically want to build a warp freeway through their neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And the worry is that these guys will make a deal with the Klingons or the Romulans. It's kind of a whose rose is going to mm-hmm. get accepted type of deal. You want to be first. Yeah. They want to be first and... You know, it's a fight against the clock because the Rongovians are already communicating with these competitive species. And the first people that the Federation sent were not their best, Adam. They sent Tellarites to diplome at these guys. And uh, it did not go well. They show some file footage of this. And this is a just shot of a diplomat screaming his head off at another diplomat. This is dumb as hell. Why send a Tuskman to do a pikeman's job? Yeah. I'm certain we can handle the situation with considerably more delicacy and grace than the Tellarites, Bob. Good. It went so badly that the Rongovians are here on board the Entrepreneur and want to be let in. This is a nightmare. Yeah. They kind of barge in. We meet Vasso and uh, Brax. Correct. I think (laughs) in my notes it ought (laughs) to... It auto-corrected to Brad, so I just had to <laughs> I just had to guess what his space name was. <laughs> it's Brax, not Brad. Let's call him Brad for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about this lately, like totally not related to this episode. Here comes yeah. a tangent. <laughs> like you know how planets are called what the Federation calls them, right? Right. Like Jeringa 3. Right. Or Monbia 7 or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. But why doesn't the Federation use the planet's own name? Like what the culture has named their planet right. as the planet? Does that seem weird to you? I mean, we call Deutschland Germany, you know? Here's my point. Much in the same way- Debringa 3 has done some bad shit much in the way of Deutschland, and so they get to get called what we call them, not what they call themselves, all right? Some of my favorite restaurants <laughs> are named like Sunny Teriyaki or uh-huh. Lucky Walk Number 7 <laughs> or whatever. Like whatever culture is, like when, when a culture names its own thing, often it can have an unusual name. Right. I want the cold open of a Star Trek show to pull up on Lucky Sun Planet <laughs> Joy for You. <laughs> three. You're going to need to wait for season three of Lower Decks for that, my friend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do, I'm not here for this erasure of a culture's planetary naming system. Not every exonym is racist inherently adam exactly they meet these guys they're like hey we love empathy also we're interested in doing diplomacy with you guys that empathy thing is not going to come back up for a long time in this episode i just looked up what exonym means a name given to a place by foreigners god you just had that chambered yeah Uh, it's as opposed to an endonym which is the name given to a place by the the locals smart. <laughs> I'm going to blow up this fucking show. I watch one TikTok about <laughs> endonyms versus exonyms, and suddenly I'm galaxy brain. God, your your TikTok is fucking boring. Jesus. <laughs> you have the most boring... I bet the people at TikTok HQ look at your uh, 
Hey, guys, we found it. Worst algorithm. Worst <laughs> algorithm here. We got it. I think something's broken. <laughs> because the, the Benjamin R account. Pretty much ugh. everybody else has bikini babes dancing to rap songs. This guy, it's just like weird geography facts. <laughs> what the hell? I love how Pike explains what a democracy is to Vasso and Brad in a way that doesn't sound condescending or preachy. We get our power from all our membership, so we try to listen to each other. This felt like a magic trick to me, a magic trick that, and I love this show, I love Star Trek Discovery, but I hope Star Trek Discovery is watching Strange New Worlds in scenes like this. Right, because that like... Uh dripping with self-assuredness like without a music bed right on in there to like punch it up <laughs> federation chauvinism not showing its ugly face in this episode it's just like a sensible way to do things is is how it's described and these rongovians are like ooh yeah i like what you are telling me sir i like the what you're telling me i like how you're telling it I like that green uniform. And then Brad is like, who's that guy? Is that one of your Vulcans? <laughs> I've heard about you guys. It would be great if uh, Pike's uniform was, uh, instead of like the sideways badge being just, a, just like a belt line, mm. it's like the level of interest that the Rongovians have in being in, <laughs> in the Federation, and it kind of ticks up. <laughs> It's like uh, at the rib line now, mm, the, yeah. the lower rib cage. Yeah. Pike's badge is getting engorged, and uh, <laughs> and Brad is really curious about the, the high amount of logic displayed by the Vulcans. Yeah. And we're getting ready to do some real diplomacy here, but uh, first we got to cut away to Ortegas and Nurse Chapel, who are in their civilian attire, yeah. getting ready for some fun, fun shore leave. And they want to take Mabenga with them. Is it time already? Are you serious? Sorry. Come on, Mabenga. You got to be ready to go. You're still in uniform? What are you doing, man? Get your midriff out. <laughs> this is like the main thing about Ortegas. It's like, <laughs> rock that midriff. Let's go. <laughs> Ortegas and Chapel are super friendly in a way that I don't know has been... Uh, extremely apparent up until now because on the walk to Six Bay, they're talking about this Lieutenant Deaver guy yeah, and how he is waiting for Chapel on shore leave and she might not be that into him. I think that uh, she wants to keep it a kind of uh, friends with benefits type of arrangement. Casual, no attachments, it's just for fun. In a Mabenga kind of way, uh, she may be more interested in catching her release <laughs> than... Uh, <laughs> Then catch and keep. It sounded like Mabenga had a date also, but that does not get depicted in this episode. I was confused by that too, because uh, Chapel and Ortegas are, are kind of like, hey, are, are we going to meet his special person or whatever? Are we going to meet Mrs. Funny Hat? <laughs> <laughs> but we never do. Yeah, yeah, too bad. Honestly, like Ortegas as the comic sensibility character on the show. Yeah. Has a great hit rate at this point. I know we're only five episodes in, but doing great as a character with the comic relief. Really, really high batting average. They head to the transporter bay where number one, 
La'an and Chief Kyle are there to send them off along with a few extras who are also getting off the ship for shore leave. And uh, La'an is like, is like signing everybody out of the ship personally. Yeah. Seems like something that a computer could handle on a Federation starship, but she's like, you want something done? You've got to do it yourself. Or Kyle, who is described later on in the episode as a massive ball breaker and a, <laughs> and a huge surprise to me. Yeah. You don't think Kyle could put a clipboard up on the transporter panel? It's got plenty of room. There's so many yeah. fucking parts of this that aren't the parts that you swish up to do the actual beaming. Ben, we talk about it all the time. The the challenge of act drunk, the challenge of act funny. Hmm. This scene is a depiction of act embarrassed. And Dr. Mabenga steps in it so deep here, it squishes between his toes. <laughs> because when he makes reference to Una's nickname, yeah. it is so funny to me. I don't know what I'm saying. I should probably go. Chief Kyle. What nickname? It's the best part of the episode to me in an episode that I really loved. Yeah, Mabenga is uh, not the dude to throw out the closely kept crew secret. He is both the man of the people to know about it, but also just like enough above the fray to not realize. (laughs) It's sort of like the in-person, I sent a text to the wrong person and I need to play it off in real life as if... I didn't. Yeah, right. It's absolutely that. I don't know what I'm saying is such a funny thing to say to me <laughs> <laughs> that I wish I had the wherewithal to say exactly that every time I've stepped in it this bad. This episode is has such funny writing. And yeah. this is like a good comedy script level awkward moment here. It really is. Which is so far from what Star Trek is usually capable of in terms of good comedy script type moments. It is. Yeah. It's well written. It's well executed. The nickname is Where Fun Goes to Die. And that's what the yeoman call number one. And uh, can I just say that's a terrible nickname? It needs to be tighter. The yeoman on the flagship should have their game a lot better. Hey, that's the Facebook of nicknames. I wonder if that the funniness of this moment is so good that I almost wonder if the badness of the nickname was a choice. That's a great call. The nickname can't be that good. Yeah. It's stupid. The yeomen don't know what they're talking about. If they did, they wouldn't be yeoman. Because you can't make yeomans and below that good at nicknaming. Like, it can't be one of those, like, it's a good joke, it's a great joke even, but I'm going to need you to stop moments. Right. Like, Una can't think it's funny or good. That's true. Yeah, and that's what makes it hit. It hits really hard. Part of the umbrage that Una takes is like, I could come up with a better nickname than that. Right. So she's like, get these freaks out of my face. Energize. And uh, she has Chief Kyle beam them away. And then, like, the second they're gone, interrogates Chief Kyle, like, hey, do you know anything about this? And... He does a bad job of playing it off. No, no, of course not. No, no. Again, a Chief Kyle who is described later as a total bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get that. If only in the history of Deep Space Nine we'd gotten some Chief O'Brien is a fucking dickhead (laughs) from the Lower Decks people on Deep Space Nine. 
I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. Yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> hey, speaking of playing it off badly, Adam. Yeah, this is tough. Spock comes home to T'Pring, who has been chilling alone in his apartment this entire time. And it's clear that the diplomacy with the Rungovians went on a long time. I do not doubt your duty's importance. Yeah. Yet we agreed this time would be for us. And when you're really in a diplomacy, you can't just make a phone call. You can't be or like send a text. Hey, I need to text Bay. The Rungovians aren't gonna understand that. All of their conically shaped foods have gone cold. <laughs> I mean it's in spite of the logic of a food that is shaped like a cone to let it go cold like that. That that food is basically shaped like an unexploded volcano and you yeah. and that's the planet we come from is called Vulcan and you let it go cold? That's not what volcanoes do. They don't go cold. That's like part of the joy of eating in a fancy restaurant is sort of like breaking the creme brulee. Mm shell like yeah, yeah. you want to get into that cone and maybe even dig in from the side just just bust it up yeah oh look at that pomegranate seed right there on the side let me get it yeah let me get it this feels like a very contemporary conflict that they're having this difference in how they treat their work-life balance right you said that we were going to spend the weekend together and then you went and did a work thing yeah i gave up my entire work thing to spend the weekend together what the fuck are you doing? I said I was going to be done recording today by like 5.30, and I'm looking at the clock, and it says 6.30 right now. Right. Like, this is how that works. And the Vulcan way of having a domestic disagreement is really intense, because it is like yeah. like nobody gets dysregulated. There's no yelling but it's also like everybody is so in touch with what they are thinking about how the situation went that they are just stating it outright. We may ultimately find ourselves incompatible. Aspirational in a way, because I like wish. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I get in a disagreement with someone and it like takes me until like later when I've calmed down to be like, this is what really mm -hmm. upset me about that. And I wish mm -hmm. I had just had the fucking wherewithal to be in touch with what that was and say that. But I, that's not what I said. I said this other thing, and now it's worse. It's interesting how a walkout after an argument hits just as hard for Vulcans as it does for anyone else. Yeah. If you will excuse me. Truly. I mean, a walkout with a pan down to the to the cold food. Yeah. <laughs> Always hits hard. Doesn't matter what species you are. Those cold cones say it all, don't they? They really do. And that's our cold open, Adam. We're 15 minutes in. Wow. <laughs> After the theme, Starbase One probably has a lot of restaurants of a lot of different kinds. And this one that we're in right now is kind of fancy. It does seem fancy. It's here that we meet Lieutenant Colin Jost on his date with Chapel. <laughs> you look hot. Thank you. And uh, Colin wants more. He really does. Than what Chapel is willing to give. Except Chapel's willing to give quite a lot. Instead of talking, we could be off having fun. Oh. I thought we might talk about us. It's just uh, a difference in, in what they're there to do. He's the classic fuck buddy that caught feelings and yeah. is trying to upgrade the relationship where the other person really wanted it to be kind of a no strings thing. And yeah. 
he's the lieutenant fuckboy of the 23rd century, man. You know? It really is. This happens. Yeah. Chapel sees Spock across the restaurant, and she's like, oh, God, this is bad. She knows immediately this shit has gone horribly wrong with T'Pring, and bails out of her date with Lieutenant Colin Jost as a result. Yeah. I just wanted to say I love Nurse Chapel's dress and hair look in this scene. Like, I think that this yeah. show is doing such a great job of being like, in the like 60s style without seeming like it is just a parody of the 60s. One of the weird knocks on this show is how beautiful everyone is. I'm not knocking it for that. <laughs> I like looking at beautiful people. <laughs> uh, back on The Entrepreneur, Lieutenant Singh and Commander Una are talking to each other about how they are both the kind of people that stay at work when everybody else leaves work. Yeah. These are people who like to work in the office on Black Friday the way I did. Like the way they describe the empty office building. Yeah. God, I love that. Those are the best days. Yeah. What Una and, and La'an are talking about is, I think, relatable to just about everybody, but it is also the thing that most defines them in opposition to the rest of the crew. So it's the thing that, you know, has been used to assassinate their characters as not fun. Right. The conversation is interrupted by the computer who tells them that someone is fucking around with an airlock and they are about to find out <laughs> from Una and La'an who investigate with phasers drawn. Yeah. Don't shoot crew the people that they catch are a couple of younger crew members who have put on eva suits and are getting ready to go out an airlock and uh they're in big trouble but because they're not invaders they're not just like summarily executed <laughs> i am so excited for these actors because you're in this episode for two scenes and you get to wear an ev suit and a normal uniform yeah and play off of Two of the biggest stars on the show in right. really fun scenes. Like, if you're going to get cast on this show, this is one of the great parts to get. These are Lower Decks parts that I would not be surprised to see come back just for the investment they made in costume and loaf. Right. You know? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, th that'd be a fun callback for sure. They're basically children, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the restaurant, Nurse Chapel is kind of telling Spock how to do girls. It was one time. One very entertaining time. In a, you know, in that way that sometimes like you really need like, hey, somebody of the opposite sex who is my friend, can you catch me up on like what I'm missing? I mean, their relationship is great. And I've been shipping this relationship the entire season. Yeah. But the intimacy of this is so delightful because it's not just that Spock doesn't get girls it's that he's got that very relatable he knows he's fucking up and he's still fucking up like he can't get out of the death spiral <laughs> you know yeah she's suggesting that like Chipring feels misunderstood by him in this way I, I think that Jess Bush's performance in this moment is one of my favorite moments in the episode, because she's saying like T'Pring feels misunderstood, but it also sort of feels like a confession for what yeah. went wrong with Lieutenant Fuckboy for her. Yep. There's a dimensionality to this that, I mean, it's a part of the entire episode, really. Yeah, truly. Like when Chapel talks about one thing, she's really talking about herself. 
or relating it to herself in a way that other people can see that maybe she can't. Yeah. So she has fully inserted herself into the relationship advice racket. Can I just say at the end of this scene, maybe the greatest evidence for a burgeoning crush slash romance between Chapel and Spock hmm. is the look down, look up, smile. You know the move. You, you smile, you look down, and then your head stays down and you look up and smile again. Mm. This choice that Jess Bush makes here with that move is such a like crush projection. That is the look of someone who is crushing on someone. I mean, and it's canonical Star Trek, right? Because Dr. Jillian Taylor did that to Spock in Star Trek Four. Yeah, and that is now on your Mount Nerdmore as the nerdiest <laughs> thing you've ever said on this show. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All that's missing is is both of them going. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. 
I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What? 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 Sounds like nonsense. What is going on? So we cut to Spock suggesting a terrible suggestion to, to bring. Seriously? A Vulcan soul sharing? This is like a super mind meld. It feels kind of like entrapment because Spock has walked to bring to his quarters. There's a bunch of candles. Mm. And what he is propositioning requires preparation, candles, and consent. It's basically mental anal, Ben. <laughs> we can truly understand each other. All I could think was, like, with all of the Vulcan rituals we've seen depicted already in this episode, Spock's, like, the attic in Spock's quarters must have so many fucking banker's boxes full of decorations in it. Yeah. Like... Vulcan Christmas, Vulcan Halloween, soul sharing ceremony, gongs, misc gongs, <laughs> misc bell racks. At least on Discovery, you can plausibly think that like one of the little robots goes around and sets things up. <laughs> but on this ship, you know Spock's going around lighting all the candles. Yeah, yeah. Took a lot of work. And so she can't shut him down. She has to say yes, right? I mean, she doesn't have to say yes. There is consent asked for and given. Okay. Yes, but like- I want to be very clear about that. Ben. But also she's they under- They both a, want this. She's under a ton of pressure to say yes, given the amount of effort that's been put in. I mean, it's easy to regret in a few moments because once those candles go out, here's the question about this. You see this moment practically, like they do the body swap. Yeah. And as soon as the candles go out, they're like, holy shit, that wasn't supposed to last that long. How long was it supposed to last? Was it supposed to be just a moment of swap and that's it? Because they swap for a couple of seconds and they're already freaking out that it's taken too long. I wonder because the candles go out in the wide establishing, but the, mm -hmm. the camera has been moving in a sort of like a curving arc around them. There's a, you know, the dirty single on both sides. Yeah. And then when we come out of that wide shot and the candles are out and it's dark in the room. The camera has crossed the line of 180. So we're on the other side. So does the line cross suggest a passage of time? I'm wondering because Tapring has been on the right yeah. of the composition in every shot until this moment. And then suddenly she's on the left and I was wondering if Yeah, they that were, just read to me as body swap. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if they were trying to like get two things out of that cross, like both passage yeah. of time and body swap. But right. but it doesn't it didn't feel like a long time. I I'm not sure if the edit worked as intended. It depends on what they were going for. It, right. It's just hard to know. So, this has become Freaky Vulcan Friday and the two of them are in each other's bodies. Their souls have, uh, have crossed over. Something really freaky 
It's so interesting, right? Because this story has been told Miriam times. Yeah. And what you get in this story is one actor taking on the other actor's mannerisms. Right. And doing them, doing them at the other person. But because there are even fewer mannerisms to distinguish what has happened to them because they're Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. All you basically get is like the subtle vocal modulation that the actors choose. Yeah. And it is totally sufficient. <laughs> it seems so difficult to do it like this, and they really pull it off. They did a great job with the subtlety of it. Yeah. This was not meant to happen. How do we switch back? I do not know. Cut to Pike's quarters. He's getting ready for his own shore leave. Admiral New Bob walks in, and it's that moment where you're talking to your boss, and you're like, hey, boss, how's it going? Hello, Peter. What's happening? I'm about to head to the parking lot. Have a great weekend. Yeah. And uh, it's like, ooh, actually going to need you to stay. And I think I'm going to need you to come in tomorrow also. Yeah. What do you think Pike was headed out to do? I don't know. Probably bed another Starfleet captain. The thing about Pike is that he's so fucking cool. And he does such cool shit on the ship. What's even like, what is his shore leave? (laughs) How could it be even cooler than what he does on the ship? Yeah. He's, I don't think we could even comprehend what he plans to do on Starbase One. It's got to be some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah. So Admiral Newbob is like, hey, man, I know that the diplomacy that we were engaged in earlier seemed like it went great, but we have gotten word that it did not, in fact, go great. You yeah. fucked up. They don't want to talk to you anymore. Okay. Who do they want to talk to? The Rongovians are like only willing to talk to Spock at this point. We have one last shot to save this whole situation. And you need to go get Spock. He's the only man that can save the day. And uh, very funny smash cut back to Spock's quarters where Spock and T'Pring are desperately trying to get their souls back into the correct bodies. There is one more chant I'd like to try. We might need a conk. This is big fun. That cut always works, right? Yeah. It has to hurt Pike's soul to use the doorbell, right? Just <laughs> any time. Yeah. He stands outside the quarters. He looks at the doorbell thing. He's like, God damn it. I'm really going to have to make the beep, huh? Going to have to do it. Should I hit it once or should I hit it twice? <laughs> Gia Sandu is the actor who plays Dupring. The way she uses her eyebrows here as Spock Emphasizing the word action. It appears that hijinks are the most logical course of action. Yeah. Like there's so many micro expressions that that both she and Ethan Peck do that like we couldn't call attention to them all, but I really wanted to call attention to that one in this scene specifically because there's so much talk about hijinks and and what they're going to do with Pike at the door and stuff. I know how a door works. It's great. Yeah. I mean... They both did a great job kind of inhabiting each other's extremely subtle Vulcan performance. And the fun of trying to be like people with a stick up their ass being Freaky Friday is... And also being conspirators, right? Right. That is like what this episode makes hay out of. And this episode both knows how to make that a fun and funny situation, but it also does not get preoccupied with trying to find pretexts for them not to admit what's going on. Yeah. Like a lesser show would have leaned into the cover up for longer. Right. And, and it would have been just like a, they can't tell anybody. And yeah, 
And that's like, I think the easy way to write the body swap comedy and the like, uh, you know, we got to actually cop to this pretty early. I think it's because Captain Pike is such a cool fucking dad. Is there anything you'd feel uncomfortable telling him? No. Right? Can't think of anything. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. You guys did a body swap? Like, you, like your minds are in each other's... That is correct. So, T'Pring as Spock is going to meet with the Rungovians, whether she likes it or not, and whether Spock likes it or not. It's like... I'd say that the other thing that is really funny about this is that the stakes are high enough that the Federation has to force T'Pring into this position. Sounds like a picnic to me. <laughs> I think T'Pring kind of relishes the opportunity here, though, also to figure out what Spock's life is like, what right. his professional life is like. And that's going to be the thing that goes down in this episode. So T'Pring goes to negotiations and she leaves Spock behind to go absolutely crazy on that body. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut away for good taste's sake to number one and Lieutenant Singh, good cop, bad copping these yeomen that they've apprehended. I like that you call it like shotgun, right? <laughs> Laon calls bad cop. Yeah, they, they both wanted to be bad cops so bad. But anymore, like all you really have to say is cop, right? Yeah. But Una's the super nice cop. She is so nice. Yeah. She's going to give you the coffee, but not in order to lift DNA off of it after you drink it. She just wants to make sure you have a nice coffee. What you have to remember is that whether you get the good cop or the bad cop, it's still a bastard <laughs> at the end of the day. And the bullion is really warming up to her, but uh, eventually they get the two of them together and it's like, you're not getting shore leave. You're fucked. You got to go work for Chief Kyle. No, not Chief Kyle. He's so mean. This is where we find out that Chief Kyle is a very shitty boss. Yeah. What is that about? So fucking hard to square with the very nice man that we've met in the past four episodes. Boy, you think you know some people, right, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> what? He works that transporter like it's a fucking instrument. Yeah. He seems very deferential when he's talking to his superiors. And then yeah. he turns around and shits all over the lower decks. How about that? That is so weird. Hmm. You don't see that very often. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were very specific about making the Bolian the one to experience the nice cop. Yeah. Because I never want to see a Bolian cry. Do you? Like, I just feel like the Bolians are so, like, nice. Yeah. They're in the hospitality industry mostly. Like, it would feel cruel. You don't want to see what's under all that blue makeup when the <laughs> when the tears start flowing and, and washing yeah. it away. Yeah. Not cool. This is a show that's familiar with cop shows. Uh, they're interrogated separately before being brought together later. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're in big trouble. And uh, this is when... Number one learns about Enterprise Bingo, yeah. which we only know about because of the last time on. We couldn't yeah. possibly have known about it before this. Could not. This is one of those frames that you freeze, right? Yeah. You want to see all of... Hey, what do you make of Enterprise Bingo not being on a bingo card also? It's a list. It's a list. It's not really bingo. Why are they calling it that? The fun of bingo is that you have a random selection of letters and numbers, and so you might hit bingo and you might not. This episode fucked up. <laughs> well, this episode and the last time on 
Right. Yeah. You know what, Ben? Enterprise Bingo being depicted like this, beauty mark on the other side of the face. Wow. Show beautiful again. <laughs> Perfectly symmetrical. T'Pring's assistant contacts Spock into Pring's body to say, hey, listen. Are you naked? <laughs> oh, obviously not. It would be extremely complicated to get out of that. <laughs> I'm sure that I am great at this. But. but yeah, the dude that they're there to apprehend will only talk to to Pring much in the same way that the Rongovians will only talk to Spock. So S- Spock is going to have to learn about what to Pring's job is like, just the same way that to Pring is learning about what Spock's job is like. This is great. Perfect. Swiss fucking watch. Yep. So La'an and Una are working out the whole Enterprise Bingo thing, and we see the whole list. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff on this list that we don't see acted out, right? We see a bunch, but we don't see others. Many interesting things that don't get acted out. The first one we see acted out is like reinstate chewing gum with flavor. Were you surprised that they didn't beam the gum out? They beamed La'an chewing the gum away (laughs) and then beamed them back? Yeah. I was surprised by this. It seems insane that your mind state is preserved, but the flavor of the gum is like, uh, we got to go back to earlier transporter records for that. This is such a Q&A guy question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hi. Um, in Star Trek Strange New World Season 1, Episode 5, it is depicted that uh, Lieutenant Law Nunyan Singh is chewing gum, goes through the transporter buffer in sick bay and rematerializes with gum that has its, had its flavor reinstated. How does this bear on Dr. Mabenga's daughter who is in the sick bay transporter buffer at the time? Yeah, follow-up question. I was just sitting next to this guy. I don't know. <laughs> Does this suggest that if Dr. Mabenga's daughter is chewing gum inside the transport buffer, that that gum will never lose flavor? I'm going to take the answer to both of those questions in Quark's bar. Get a life. Give me these coffee mugs, Ben, in the Enterprise Lounge. These look like uh, some double-walled jobs. Yeah, they do look good. Damn. They look real good. They look good, and they decide to do bingo in this scene. I mean, if we wanted to, you know, yeah, get a better understanding of the crew. They're in the elevator, you know, shouting orders at the computer and seeing whose order gets honored. They're shooting each other in the hallway. Oh, yeah. That really stings. Even though we know that you can't fire an unauthorized phaser aboard a Federation starship. When you roll with Una, though, every phaser's authorized, right? Wow. Yeah. You get a license to phase. Good point. Elsewhere on Starbase One, Chapel and Ortegas are kind of post-gaming the bad date that she had with Colin Jost. <laughs> Went to Pring, shows up, and Ortegas is invited to leave. Yeah. In a way that on paper probably seems cruel, but in the scene, I think reads as just like to Pring being to Pring, right? Ortegas reads as being relieved to be yeah, exactly. let out of this deal. She wants to go, yeah. She's talking to Nurse Chapel like, you gave love and relationship advice to a Vulcan? Yeah. No, 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 no. I do not want to be around for this. Yeah. Good luck, you two. It leaves Chapel and T'Pring to sit on a couple of park benches together where 
The truth is revealed. Yeah, Chapel finds out that this is in fact Spock, and Spock has not been having fun with those titties. I had not taken the time to consider it. Really? No. In fact, Chapel like views this as an interesting uh, medical problem to solve, a problem whose solution is going to take a while. And in that amount of time, she suggests that Spock participate in Take Your Partner's Kotra to Work Day. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's some positive to come out of a freaky Vulcan Friday situation. Yeah, maybe go do that Barjan job. <laughs> so La'an and Una decide to finish the list. The list is what I'm calling it. I'm not calling it bingo. Mm, wow. And walk by the panel that the coolest ensign on the ship, Ensign Lance, rammed his face into as they're talking about it. Right. Do you think this was uh, like this is one part of the repairs that they're doing at the Starbase, right? They, they turn this corner. That's Lance's window. Oh, man. The Ensign Lance Memorial window is what we'll yeah. call it from now on. That beautiful face. <laughs> Going through that glass. Yeah. I mean, uh, don't destroy something beautiful. <laughs> Strange new worlds. Don't do it. I just want a, a, a little bit doofy glasses man to have a shot on this show, you know? I want to. Yeah. We talk about inclusion and the value of people seeing themselves in Trek. Yeah. I've never seen you in Star Trek, Ben. Ever. Yeah. Your time is coming. Someday. Uh, Back in the negotiations on the Starbase, Spock, or T'Pring in a Spock skin, really, shows up yeah. to meet with the Rongovians. And now, suddenly, they're acting super Vulcan-y. And Admiral Nubob and Captain Pike are just, like, hanging out on some couches, just watching what's yeah. going down with this. And they're just like, what the fuck happened with these guys? They, they were so cool. Look at them now. They, they're not cool anymore. <laughs> It's crazy. They're in one of the coolest rooms ever depicted on Star Trek, and they got to watch this negotiation here Yeah, and remain engaged in it. Brutal. Pike can't wait to jump in here. Yeah, He sees Spock slash T'Pring kind of flail, and he jumps in there to not interfere with the negotiation, but to defend Spock. Yeah. It's not even really defending him so much as just paying... Spock, a big fat compliment. You, Mr. Spock, are simply everything that is great about Starfleet. If Spock had a basement, it would totally be flooded, right? Well, that's the thing, is that this is really to Pring, and therefore exactly. there is a flooded basement. Yeah. Thank you, Captain. It's a mental basement, though. Basements are a spectrum. But, like, you look at Pike, right? He's got six inches of show hair if he's got one. It's basement flooding by proxy, isn't it? Yeah. He knows who he's talking to. Yeah. This isn't for Spock. It's not for the fucking diplomats. It's for T'Pring. Pike is doing work on a negotiation between worlds and among two romantic worlds, right? He is both opening up a trade empire for the Federation and getting his science officer's dick wet. Maybe the strangest new world is a Vulcan's heart. <laughs> So, so the Rongos are like, cool, well, that was really touching. We'll catch you one more time before we're, we're gone. Mm -hmm. uh, but we got to go for now. And Pike has like apologized to T'Pring in the Spock suit. And we cut down to the Starbase where Dr. Mabenga 
is just living his best life as a fisherman. God, give me like 10 minutes. Give me the montage. Just 10 minutes of Mabenga fishing. Yeah. For real. Is that that Kotopachi raincoat that he's wearing? Hmm. Yeah. It's good. Was this the same location that Nepenthe was filmed? Like that dock and the wooded area? Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's filmed in Toronto, so I wouldn't be surprised. Really gorgeous. Yeah. He's so happy. Have we ever been that happy? Never once. Yeah. I want to be Mabenga happy. I know. Me too. The Vulcan criminal guy that has been, you know, much ballyhooed. It's just a dude that's playing like chess solitaire, apparently. Yeah. And uh, Spock in the Chapring suit and Nurse Chapel walk up and start talking to this dude. It's a lot of, you know, Vulcan barbs being traded. A lot of like, oh, you claim to be a Vulcan and yet you're fucking Spock, who is only half Vulcan. So you've insulted all Vulcans everywhere by doing that. Yeah. I always find you curious among Vulcans to bring for your tolerance of these creatures. He rejects logic and yet he uses it as a weapon. Barjan contains multitudes. Hmm. And he deserves a punch in the face for that. To tell you the truth, I came here today with every intention of considering rehabilitation. But the company you keep changed my mind. You listen here. And he catches it. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. He gets KO'd. Chapel watches this with delight. (laughs) This is big fun. Yeah. Barjan came to bargain. Tupring came to knock him out. Chapel came to uh, stand for Federation values and get to bring home safe because the next scene is Chapel and Mabenga like scooping goo onto the foreheads of Spock and Tupring's bodies. Trust me, this will become Federation standard eventually. He embeds some crystals in the fish guts and then they like wave a light over the crystals and it lights them up and it looks like it hurts a lot. Yeah. But it uh, it reverses the Katra swap. There's an elliptical edit to later where Spock is sitting up right now and he's getting an exam from Chapel. And the procedure seems to have worked. Yeah. And Spock is filled with gratitude for the medical procedure, but also the advice. Chapel is like, look, man, the honesty thing, I know you may on the surface just be thinking this has to be a thing between you and Tapring, but like be a little honest with yourself too about what's going on here. And I think you'll go a long way. Yeah. What you need from a relationship and what you're willing to give to a relationship. And we cut to Spock and Tapring kind of post gaming their experience. And man, I thought that this was going to be the reconciliation style of breakup. Like Mm -hmm. the, Hey, I think you're great and I am so glad to have had the time with you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's clear to both of us that this isn't a thing that we can do. Right. It is not that. It is the reconciliation into get down. down, down. It's not setting up a breakup. It's setting up a fuck fest. I mean, it is, but like what a summit they have beforehand. Yeah. In recognition of obligation being the death of fun or spontaneity or love or like the good things in any relationship. Right. And they're both like, look, we want to be here because we want to be here, not out of obligation or duty or anything. That's where the good stuff is in any relationship. 
obligation and duty are a part of it, but the wanting to be here is most important of all. The only duty that Spock wants is to please that booty. And uh, the implication of this elliptical edit is that he does. Right. As do I. Yeah. Meanwhile, Pike is being a messy diplomat who loves drama. (laughs) 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 He does not tell Admiral Nubob or Cadet Uhura what his plans are with the Rongovians. He just tells them to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And the Rongovians walk in, and his closing argument to them is some chaotic shit. Yeah. Why should we ally with your Federation? Easy. You shouldn't. Chris. It feels like reverse psychology. He's basically telling them all the reasons. You don't want to be with me. (laughs) I'm too much trouble. Look at all this show hair. It's six fucking inches of show hair. Do you want to be with somebody that does this to themselves every morning? His sideways facing badge starts going down and down and down. <laughs> Look at you losing interest. You must be this tall to ride the Federation. And he holds his hand up to where his show hair crests out at. Yeah. They walk out. Admiral Bob is like, the fuck was that, Chris? Yeah. You're risking an alliance that could be the key to the Federation's future security on a hunch? Isn't it time for you to retire, Robert April? Yeah. And then they look out at the uh, Rongovian's ship, which has been established as a ship that flies the flag of the one that brung them when they decide who to make a diplomatic treaty with. It starts flying the Federation flag, baby. Yeah. Fly it high, fly it big. The key was that they are a species that values empathy above all other things. And by showing them that he could put himself in their shoes, that he could uh, see all of the reasons why they might have hesitations about the Federation, he showed that he understood them in some way. The Rongovians are the type that go vacation in a country with an accent and go and immediately have that affected accent themselves. (laughs) (laughs) They come back from a trip to London, and uh, they are just so annoying. Pip, pip, governor. (laughs) Where's the queen? (laughs) Yeah. Outside the ship, Una and La'an are walking on the hull. How are they doing it? There's a force field up. Keeps them comfortable. Yeah, they made one of those force fields that's like the tunnel that you go through at a theme park where there's sharks swimming over you. It looks like this panel, the scorch panel, is directly in front, like in the eyeline of the bridge's view screen. It is. How does anyone sneak out there to sign this thing? This is the most chaotic shit that the fuck... I mean, that's why it's the last thing on the list. Yeah, yeah, this is the hardest. It's easier to sit in Pike's chair than to do this. If you're one of the like 35 people that has gotten Enterprise Bingo, you are a fucking legend in Starfleet. Yeah, it's true. So they go out there and they see the the scorch. Yeah. And it's the oldest unreplaced piece of the ship's hull. This is a great little bit of trivia here. We're lucky that the fucking Gorn didn't shoot it off in that battle. Yeah. Yeah, they got real lucky, didn't they? They used space chalk to sign it. Yeah. And uh, they've stolen some... Yeoman Valor. Sure have. Yeah, th- this isn't for them. No. Why are they signing this? For the lower decks. Leave the lower decks to do their shit. La'an signs the cool S <laughs> for Sing. 
That's fun. While they're out there, the Rangovian sail ship goes overhead, and we get like a sustained couple of minutes of Star Trek majesty watching a cool ship space around. This is actually my first appearance in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) They stretched me thin. (laughs) Real thin. Not my first appearance in the show error dates, but in in the chronology of the shows themselves. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) On my way to steal your girlfriend. (laughs) Speaking of girlfriends, Spock and Pring are in kind of a post-coital reverie. Yeah. They're hanging out, having a good old time. You hope Spock ensured that uh, T'Pring was able to ring her bells first. Mm. It's only logical. Yeah. And then hang them up on that hook on the wall yeah. where you keep your yeah. bell hexagon. Uh-huh. <laughs> I loved the continuity of there being a bell hexagon on the wall at his quarters after seeing it in his dream. That's great. <laughs> yeah. The button on the episode is back on the star base. Ortegas and Chapel are in another bar having a drink. Looks like Ortegas might be sipping on a jipper. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Ortegas got a blue drink. A lieutenant after my own heart, let's just say. Yeah. Poor Lieutenant Colin Jost. Out of the picture now. Yeah. Out of the picture to make room, I think. Yeah, because you've been talking a lot about Chapel Spock and whether one would ship. I'm shipping Spapple. I think I might be shipping Chortegas. What? That is not what this scene suggests at all. Because earlier in the episode, it is heavily implied that Chapel is uh, not just interested in fellas, but also ladies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And the like little awkward moment there at the end made me think that perhaps uh, these two could get together. Can anyone on new Star Trek just be friends? <laughs> I think that's what this is. I think this is a cool as hell friendship here between Chapel and Ortegas. I'm happy for it to be a cool as hell friendship. I'm all out of Star Trek money to bet. Otherwise, I would bet on this. I, I put all of my chips on number one, keeping Pike out of the beeping chair. All right. I'm down to the felt. I'm just saying that the house is giving better odds on Chortegas than they are on Spapple. <laughs> Spapple's where it's at. Let's put a poll up. Okay. We'll put a poll. Yeah. We've done it before. Yeah. See what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll leave it up for a day. Meanwhile, I want to see what happens when I ask you, did you like this episode? Really big turn. Off of course for this show, like an outlier show in theme. Um, Maybe the most relatable Star Trek episode in a long time, right? Yeah. The themes are right there. I really like the story quite a bit. I like a field trip story on any show, right? Yeah. We're, We're taking the show car and we're taking it off of these rails and we're putting it on a different set of rails and we're going somewhere else. And I thought the show was super fun for it. Getting our characters out of their jobs and and talking about other things. Mm -hmm. I think coming back to Starbase 1 from time to time is a really nice bit of show design to make this feel like a traditional Star Trek show that is like pulling from that episodic 
energy that people have been missing in other new Trek, but also kind of putting a different bit of English on the baseball so that it, you know, just feels a little bit different. There's like a home base that they tag from time to time. I mean, routine maintenance as an episode cold open, like there are a dozen examples of that in Star Trek. Totally. And it's just another character building episode too for so many of these characters. Like we said this in, I think the first or second episode of this show that we knew the bridge crew better than we knew Discovery. We know them as well as we know most bridge crews at this point. Yeah. And I think that's a real strong point in this show that the cast is such an ensemble. We just recorded right before this an episode of Voyager that I think exemplified this as well, where like you can just have Enz and Kim and Seven have a storyline for a little while. And it's like, it doesn't feel like a distraction you know, or like, I've never met these characters before. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to see what happens when these two characters are put together or these two characters are put together. And this show has the confidence that these are a bunch of interesting characters and you pair them off or group them off or tell a story about just one of them. And all of those are valid kinds of stories to tell within the context of the show. It's a show that understands Star Trek is a place in its DNA. And yeah. an episode like this is really fun to watch for that reason. Great choice by the episode to not include all of the scenes of Hammer getting reconstructive hand surgery (laughs) and then going through the physical therapy of getting his hand to work again. Yeah, that stuff got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, and I think that's a good idea. Well, never on the cutting room floor, Ben, Mm. our priority one messages. True. Do you want to make sure that they make the show? Let's do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is from Josh. It is to Leah. Message goes like this. Happy ninth wedding anniversary slash 13th date anniversary to my lovely wife. Wow. Thank you for getting me into podcasts and your welcome for me getting you into Star Trek. <laughs> Here's to many more years of silly nerdiness together. All my love, Josh. P.S. Do you think we should finally tell the boy that he was named after... The Emissary of the Prophets? Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Let's do it. I mean, Cisco's a great name. Yeah. It's a, it's a solid name for a boy. Good job going for that. I would never name a boy Benjamin. <laughs> right. I wish I knew when my date anniversary was. That oh. is a that's a date that is uh that's just gone. It's lost to history. From both of our recollections, yeah. My date anniversary happened to coincide with the nomination of Barack Obama for the presidency. So, I uh wow. we have it locked down. But uh it's also like my wife and I are both the kind of person that forgets that our anniversary is coming up and then mm-hmm. like well, that's good. You're both on the same level. We're, we're both on the same level with that in a way that is like routinely humiliating. Like we'll be out with friends like two days after our wedding anniversary and they'll be like, hey, what'd you do for your anniversary? And we'll be like, uh, the what? That's great. <laughs> I, I really respect that Josh and Leah know their date anniversary and their wedding anniversary. And it seems like they maybe lined them up to kind of coincide. Perfect. That rules. Like that a lot. Much respect. Adam, our second Priority One message is from Ramon LP4. 
been hey. a while since we've heard from Ramon LP4. It's two Samuel Clemens. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Goes like this. Theory, Ben's Picard equals Sean Connery. Test one. Secret Ben coin flip to see who will play Dathan, his Picard, or his Connery. The other will play Picard. Two, Ben alone reads from the Darmok script where Picard and Dathan first meet on Eladrell. Can you tell who's who? P.S. Austin May 21st. Whoop! P.P.S. Shout out to our GM Kyle Revest and the rest of our STA Dauntless crew. I hope I didn't butcher the pronunciation of Kyle's last name. Do you understand this? So I think Secret Ben Coinflip to see who will play Dathan. I don't understand this. Ben's Picard equals Sean Connery. I think Ramon wants to hear if if I sound like Connery when I play Picard. If your Picard sounds like yeah. Connery, yeah. So so I'll be Dathan. So you be Dathan. And, yeah. All right. Okay, this is... Uh, here starts the reading. Darmok and Jalad. You want to fight with me? Is that it? A challenge? Darmok and Jalad. I don't know who or what... <laughs> Darmok and Jalad are, but I certainly didn't come here to start a war. God damn it. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Sorry, Captain. Shaka, when the walls fell. One ping only, Dathan. <laughs> Dathan just gets more profane in frustration. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I feel a little bit called out by Ramon LP4, but if you'd like to call one of us out, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and get a Priority One message. It's been really nice to see the P1s start to uh, populate over here on The Greatest Discovery. Sure is. Uh, thanks for all the support of the show. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin. Oh, I sure did, Adam. And I wrote a note to remind myself. Oh, yes. Ensign Fuckboy, a.k.a. Ensign Colin Jost, a.k.a. the guy that did not make it with Nurse Chapel. Uh-huh. Still at the bar in the scene, like, later on where she's at the table hanging out with Spock, trying to give him relationship advice. Yeah. And I thought that that was such a funny thing. Like, wh- like the camera is, is, like, shooting the bar from the other direction, and he's just deep in the background, like, drinking his sorrows. <laughs> I thought it was so funny that after he gets shut down, he just fucking stayed there. <laughs> what else are you gonna do i don't know go somewhere else like you've got like look through your text see if you got invited to anything by a friend or maybe catch a movie at the cinema down the street i like that detail i think it's cool don't stay at the bar (laughs) yeah how about you did you find an edward larkin i think what laon does to get the fuck out after bringing vaso and brad in to see pike (laughs) Is big fun. Sir, I should go do the security things. Yeah. She's great. She's funnier than you'd expect. True. In scenes like this. 
It's a funny episode, man. The jokes are subtle and good. Also funnier than you'd expect, our producer, Wendy Pretty, <laughs> who is hilarious yeah. in person and in edit. Yeah, she'll tell us what the next episode's about. Yeah, and from here we hand the episode off to her. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Kranica. It's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, it's Episode 6, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. A threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life. To protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy... Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. As always, we want to thank Adam Ragusea, who composed all of the original music that you hear on this show. He's got a great podcast and a YouTube cooking channel that you should go get subscribed to. Thanks also to the card daddy, Bill Tilly, who handles the social media for Uxbridge Shimoda. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek and use the hashtag Greatest Discovery to talk about the show online. Your ratings and reviews are always appreciated, as are the many members who support the production of this show at MaximumFun.org slash join. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. having fun yet maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported